Hello, everybody. As she said, my name is Casey. Thank you for coming out tonight. And so I'm going to start off with a little story. And so here I come, walking into my house, 11.30 at night. And it's a Tuesday night, school night. And my dad comes around the corner, and he's like, Casey, where have you been? It's 11.30 at night, way past your curfew. I was like, Dad, it's Tuesday night. You know I go to adoration on Tuesday nights. I just got lost track of time, and I was just in church. And for those who don't know what adoration is, adoration is when Catholics have the consecrated host who is Jesus present with body, blood, soul, and divinity. And it's in this monstrance, as you can see. This is my home parish church and during adoration. And so here I am telling Dad, I was in adoration. Like, don't you know? Like, I go there every Tuesday night. And he was like, yeah, but you've been gone for the past two hours. You can't tell me you've been in church sitting there for two hours. I was like, yeah, I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you see, now most parents would be like, wow, that's really impressive. But no, he was like really shocked and was like, what's wrong with you? How is that possible? Like, what's so different about you? And he's like, don't you like to have fun? Like, when I was your age, or like most teenagers, they are partying on weekends or hanging out with friends, not hanging out with a bunch of 70-year-olds at church on Tuesday nights. And I was like, yeah, but dad, this, this is fun for me. I like spending time in church and talking to God. And so, as you can see, I love spending time with Jesus. But I wasn't always like this. I went, so now I'm going to tell you guys how I went from thinking church was boring to not really knowing that there's a relationship with God to not ever wanting to go to church to the complete opposite to wanting to spend all my time devoted to Jesus. And so I grew up as a cradle Catholic is what you could call it. I went to a Catholic grade school, went to church every Sunday with my family, my family got together every night as a family and prayed together. And so I grew up in this atmosphere not knowing anything different. Especially in grade school, I thought everybody believed in God. I thought everybody was Catholic. Didn't know there was such a thing of not believing in God. And so I just kind of grew up in this atmosphere. And I've always desired Jesus as a young girl. My mom told me this story of how she walked into my room one night and me, little eight-year-old Casey's on my knees crying my eyes out. And she's like, Casey, like, what is wrong? And I was like, Mom, I just don't understand how Jesus can love me this much. And she's like, how is my eight-year-old daughter crying because of Jesus' love? And so from a young age, I've always had this desire for Jesus. But the thing I didn't understand was that I could have this relationship with Christ. You see, growing up in this Catholic atmosphere, I kind of just thought that all you had to do was go to church every Sunday and pray, and then boom, I'd get to heaven. But it wasn't until Christ showed me himself and revealed himself that it was a little different. And so I went to this Catholic youth conference called Steubenville, which is put on by Franciscan University. And the one I went to was Mid-America one in Springfield, Missouri. And Steubenville is basically about 4,000 teens, Catholic teens just like me, and we all gather together, worship Christ, we have all the sacraments, and um, they have national known speakers come and give their testimony, and they have little breakout sessions. And so it's just a weekend to glorify God and get to know him better. 
And so one night, they have adoration, which I explained before. And this Saturday night adoration, it's completely black. All these teens are on their knees with you, and there's a band playing in the background. And while adoration is going on, usually the monstrance with the host is sitting up by the altar. But this adoration was different. The priest took the monstrance and walked down every single aisle and made a sign of the cross at every corner. And so it was about an hour, an hour, half long of adoration, of just praising God and being in silence and um, singing to him. And so while this priest was carrying this monstrance from aisle to aisle, here I am just on my knees crying when I pray, I cry. And not because I'm sad, but because I'm just so overwhelmed by God's love and grace that tears just kind of come. And so here I am just crying and praying. I'm like, God, help me give you my life to you. Help me not to say these words, but to actually mean them and do something about it. And so I'm just saying, like, Lord, take me with you. Take me with you. Now, a year ago at this same conference, I was, it was adoration night, and I had my cousin next to me. And I was kind of praying something similar, but more of the lines as, God, show me you're real. Holy Spirit, can you show me that you're real? Like, actually, like, physical signs that you're real. And I grabbed my cousin's hand, and that's when the Holy Spirit took over my cousin to the point of her eye. I looked at her, and her eyes were, like, going everywhere. And I started, like, getting scared, like, what is happening to my cousin? And she started hyperventilating, and she passed out, and the priest behind her caught her. And then afterwards, she told me this amazing encounter she had with the Holy Spirit and what all went on. And I'm over here like, okay, Holy Spirit, I get it, you're real. Like, stop freaking me out. And what I paid attention to while that was going on was a song that was playing in the background. And the song was Oceans by Hillsong United. And so here I am, back in this adoration, praying on my knees, crying, and the song Oceans comes on. Now my eyes are closed the whole time just because I'm crying, so my eyes are closed. And the song comes on, and it starts bringing back those memories of that previous year of the Holy Spirit and the realization of how real God was. And these lyrics really are strong. They really are just about surrendering your life to Christ and saying, God, lead me and do whatever you want with me. And then, with my eyes closed, the bridge of the song came on.
And so as these words were playing in the background, I'm here just praying and crying and praying these lyrics with all of my heart. And with my eyes closed and praying this from the bottom of my heart, I heard the Holy Spirit just kind of nudge me for some reason. Just like, open your eyes, Casey, open your eyes. I was like, okay. And so I opened my eyes and the priest was standing right in front of me with a monstrance and the Eucharist right in my face. Out of all of the 4,000 other teens that were there, the priest was in my face. And when I opened my eyes, whew, I just thinking about it, the, my breath was just taken away and I could just feel God's presence in that moment of Jesus truly present right in front of me. And that's when I started bawling more. And I was just like, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life. Take me, take me with you. And then the priest eventually has to stop putting it in front of my face and makes a sign of the cross and continues to carry on. Well, in front of the priest, there were two servers. And one of the servers was holding a crucifix. And my eyes went directly from the monstrance with the host in it to the crucifix. And with my eyes gazed on Jesus on the cross, they continue to walk forward. And here I am just praying, Lord, take me, take me with you. And it's so loud, so I'm just like yelling out loud, take me, take me with you. And at that moment, I saw Jesus' small head on that crucifix turn towards me and say, follow me then. Whew. I, I, I froze. I didn't know what to do. I was in complete shock of what had just happened. I started looking around to see if anyone else had just seen that, and I realized it was just me, that it was just me that Jesus was talking to. And I, I got to the floor immediately, and I just put my head on concrete, and I just started screaming, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Show me what to do. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you. And I was just in amazement of me, ordinary, simple girl, just saw a statue turn its head towards me and say the words out loud, follow me then. And I just couldn't prosper it in my mind. And while praying there, it just, a complete humbling feeling came over me. Like, I did not deserve God's love. I just want to give my everything to Christ. And so after this happened, I kept it a secret for quite a while, and I probably only told about 10 people within that first year. And I don't even think my parents were 10 of those people just because I thought they were going to think I was crazy, didn't want them to send me to somewhere, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so some of the reasons why I kept it a secret was because, one, I didn't want people looking at me and thinking, oh, look at that Jesus freak, or look at that Catholic girl, or anything like that, super scared of that. Another one, I was scared that people were gonna make rumors up about me, like, oh, she's just trying to get attention, she just likes to make up stories, or she's just making that all up. Didn't want that to happen. And then I was also scared that if I were to share this story, that it would take meaning or value away from it. And um, more, maybe if the more I told it, it'd become more of a story and less of a reality. So I kept this to me for quite a while. And I started thinking, why me? Why did Jesus do this to me? I don't really hear about all of this stuff happening a whole lot. And I started thinking and reflecting on my life. And I realized God has been calling me my entire life. And I realized I have only been half giving myself through everything. And Jesus 
had to do this for me in order for me to get my full attention, to completely give my entire life over to him. So for me, that's just what had to happen. And no, not everyone is going to have this dramatic encounter with Christ. But this was a huge turning point in my faith life. Christ really showed me that he was real if he can make his head turn around and talk to me. Um, and he just, I just knew I had to give my life. And some of you might be thinking, what do you mean by give your life to Christ? And well, I basically mean you take, you have all these dreams for your future and all your wants and desires, and you basically take it all and give it to Christ. And be like, you know what? If none of this happens, it'll be okay, Lord. You do whatever you want with me. I give my life completely over into your hands, and I trust you'll take care of me. And it's, it's literally just casting your life into Christ's hands. And it's super scary at first because you're giving Christ completely control over you and your life. And so after this conference, I went home on what you could call a spiritual high. I was talking about Jesus like I was so on fire and dancing all around my house and singing all of this Jesus music. And my mom and dad were like, what happened to her? Why is she going crazy? And so that's one reason I did not tell them that story because I thought they'd even think I was crazier. And um, as much as I wish I could say that I stayed on fire for Jesus, I didn't. I still went to church every Sunday, but God wasn't my number one. I started to fall back into this normal, everyday lifestyle that I had right before this conference. I'd go to this conference every year, get on this on fire for Jesus, and I'd go back home after a couple months and it'd wear, wear down, and I'd go back to normal life. And nothing really seemed to change, other than the fact that, yeah, God's real. And, but this time, it went a little backwards. I went even deeper, and I kind of fell into more sin and got farther and farther away from God. I got my first real serious boyfriend. I let the temptation get the best of me through it. And I started wanting more attention from my boyfriend or, oh, if he could just tell me I'm beautiful every day or anything, if he could just give me more attention. And I just put more effort on that rather than focusing on others and sharing my love of Christ to others. And with this whole boyfriend thing, it put a distance between me and God because my boyfriend became my number one in my spot. I totally put God on the back burner. And this put a huge distance between God and me with my faith. Not only the whole boyfriend thing, but I also started partying and hanging out with friends. And I was what my parents would call the normal teenager. And just having fun and having experiences and just living it up or whatever. And I, these people started, they weren't bettering me as a person. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> um, and I was just going through life. I still prayed, still went to church every Sunday. It was, my relationship with God wasn't really there, but it was still happening very vaguely. And so here I am just coasting until one day I was upstairs in my room and my mom called me downstairs and she's like, Casey, I need to talk to you. I was like, oh no, okay. And so she sat me down on the couch, and she was like, Casey, you know, I've always kind of thought that Jesus has been walking right alongside you throughout your life. But now, he's down the hallway. And hearing that, tears immediately started coming. 
And I was like, I can't believe you just told me that. Like, Mom, what do you mean? I still pray and I still go to church. Like, what do you mean he's down the hallway? I don't understand. And she starts saying how much I've changed and she doesn't like the person I'm becoming. And I was like, wow, this, this hurts, Mom. <laughs> and I was really mad at her for a while. And I don't think she realized how bad it hurt me hearing her say that. But if it wasn't for that moment, I don't know where I would be today because that really made me stop in my tracks and think back to what had all happened. And so I really started to reflect on the person I was becoming and I realized I have changed a lot and not for the better. I, I, used to, I started to judge people instantly and started making fun of people and that wasn't really me to begin with. And just the way I treated people was just horrible and I started realizing it and catching myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, when did this happen? And I never even realized it. And so this is when I told myself, okay, something has got to change. And so this conference that I went to, you'd think after I had this huge encounter with Christ, none of this would ever happen. But it's like I thought if all I had to do was say yes to Christ once, I'd be changed and that'd be it. And I'd die and go to heaven. But that wasn't the case. I said yes to him once, but not every day after that. And so it was like I believed that I could only get close to Christ at this conference, that at home I couldn't figure out a way to get back close to Christ. And so I started praying, God, like, I need you to get me back and close to you. And so a year goes on. I have my highs and lows through life of my spiritual life. And I'm here praying to God, Lord, bring me back to you. I don't know how to do this. I'm stuck. And that's when the last thing I could have ever imagined happened. This darkness started to come into my life. And I don't mean like just a bunch of terrible things happened, but like actual physical darkness to the point where I'd be laying in bed and I'd feel this really dark presence around me. The same present, the feeling I got whenever I was at adoration and the monsters was right in front of me, that glorious feeling of Christ right there, I felt the exact opposite. I felt this, this presence around me that made me feel unloved and worthless and just scared out of my mind. And then when I'd close my, close my eyes, I'd see this demon's face just pop up. And so I couldn't close my eyes. But then when I would eventually fall asleep, anytime I'd go to sleep, I'd just have these nightmares of me being possessed. And I, I didn't know what to do because any time, I was just trapped in this like darkness bubble. If I was awake, I could feel it around me. And if I was sleeping, he was there too. And so I was just trapped and couldn't go anywhere without feeling this darkness around me. And so then one day my friend goes, hey Casey, do you wanna to go to this Bible study with me? And I was like, oh yes, get me away from this. This will be great. So I go to this Bible study with her to try to get away from all this devil stuff. You know, like each Bible study has a theme, right? I get there. The theme is Satan and what's he gonna do for your life and everything and how he knows everything about you and all of this stuff. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I'm trying to get away from this stuff and I just walk into this Bible study where they're just talking all about the devil and his plans for your life. So that's me thinking, thinking, oh my gosh, this is God preparing me for this huge Satan attack and all of this stuff is going to happen. And so I'm starting to get really scared, shivering, crying, and everyone's like, what is going on? I'm like, I'm telling them. And they're like, oh, it's okay, that's okay, let's just pray with you. And 
It was like I knew God had me. I knew he was real. And I knew he'd be there protecting me. But I was scared of what he could allow to happen. You know, God doesn't put this bad stuff in our life. You know, like we sin, that's our fault, and bad things happen. But there's times where God allows the devil to become close to us, knowing how much we can overcome it with his grace, hoping that by the end of that, we will be that much closer to Christ once we get through it. And so I know this is going to happen. I know this is God's way of getting me back to him. And I'm like, God, like, I realized I prayed to get back to you, but I didn't want it to happen this way, you know? And so here I am just scared. But this turned my sleeping habit completely upside down. I was going completely insane. I could not sleep in the dark anymore, or I could not have, I could not be alone. I made sure there was a person beside me anywhere I went. And I would start going to bed at 5.30 in the morning, sleep till about noon, go to work at 1, work till about 8, come home and just lie in bed and try to go to sleep. I couldn't, and then do the whole cycle over again. I would try falling asleep, like, you know, like making boys like give me attention and stay up with me, but they'd fall asleep, obviously. And I would scroll on social media, just try nothing. Just and I tried sleeping with my parents for like two weeks, nothing. Like anything I did, I could not fall asleep in the dark without having dreams of being possessed or this darkness or this devil around me. And so this whole darkness episode of my life lasted for about a month. And so that time of year came around again to the Steubenville conference. And I was like, okay, God, if I could just get away from this darkness a little bit more, or if you could heal me, that, that would be great. And so I get to Steubenville, and there was one thing a speaker said there. Or, so for every Steubenville, there's a theme. And this is my fifth Steubenville conference that I've been to. And the past themes, you know, they've always been about God is love, God is forgiveness, and all of this stuff about how glorious and great God is, and how much you can do with your life. This year, all of the talks were about Satan and the devil, and how he knows everything about you, and I'm like, you've got to be, I told my friend, I'm like, what, what is going on? Like, I don't understand what's going to happen. Like, I, I'm so scared. And so it made me not want to go to like any of the talks because I'm like, I don't want to learn about the devil. I don't want to know, I don't want anything to do with him. Like, I'm, I've had enough of him. But my friend was like, you've got to go. Come on, you've got to go. And so I went to the talks. And one thing the speaker said that really stood out to me was that we imagine Satan as this little red-faced devil thing with horns that's going to pop out at us and scare us. But the devil doesn't want you to be scared of him. The devil wants you to like him. The devil is the things that tempt you into sin. He's the parties, he's the boys, he's the things that pull you away from God. So it's not this little red scary horn-looking thing that we should be afraid of, but it's the things that we actually like that are going to bring us farther away from God is what we should be scared of. And so this really helped me with not being afraid of, okay, I'm not going to get attacked or anything. And so then adoration comes. Have no expectations whatsoever. I don't want, I have no idea what's going to happen. And through adoration, the past years, it's just been 
praying and music and worshiping God. But this adoration, a priest walked up on stage in the middle of adoration. And I was like, oh, that's weird. This is different. And the priest walks up and he starts saying, Jesus died on the cross for you. Whom shall you fear? Jesus broke chains off prisoners. Whom shall you fear? Jesus did this and God did this. And after each and every single thing he said, he said, whom shall you fear? And through this, I just kind of heard God's voice tell me, Casey, I did all of this for you. There is nothing for you to be afraid of. Like, I am on your side. You are my daughter. There's nothing for you to be afraid of. I'm so much more powerful and stronger than anything on this earth. Like, trust me, Casey, trust me. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, duh. Yeah, God's got me. Like, what am I scared of? And after he left the stage, that is when I felt this gush of something come over me. Didn't know what was happening at the time, but now I know it was the Holy Spirit. This gush of something came inside of me, and my knees just hit right to the floor. And I put my head to the concrete floor, and I just started praising God for like two minutes. Like, Lord, I praise you. I love you. Just help me. Like, I don't even know what I said, because it wasn't me speaking. It was totally the Holy Spirit, just praising God. And then it completely switched, and I started cursing Satan out. And saying like, get the hell away from me, stay away from my family, like I'm a child of God, you don't belong here, and just started cursing Satan out, and words I've never spoken before, so definitely knew it wasn't me, and then that went on for another like three minutes of just going to town, cursing Satan out of my life, and then I was done, and like I knew it was done, like the, whatever was inside of me left, and I kind of like sat up and was like, I hope no one just saw that, like, whew, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> and so I stood up and was just kind of like, okay, I think we're clear. No one saw me go crazy. God, what was that? And I felt all of this darkness and this negative energy around me just leave. But then another huge gush came inside of me and I was like, oh no, what's going to happen? And I started uncontrollably laughing, like out loud, just laughing. Everybody started to look at me then because they're like, what's, what's going on now? <laughs> and I was like, oh, shoot, I'm like distracting people from prayer. I tried covering my mouth and everything, and it wouldn't stop. Like, I could not stop myself whatsoever. I just kept laughing and laughing. I'm like, gosh, God, like, come on, we need to pray. We need to pray. And I didn't realize at the time, but I was praying, praising God through my laughter just because of the joy and the Holy Spirit that was inside of me. Oh, and I had the best night of sleep I have ever had that night. <laughs> and so that night, I believe I was given the gift of laughter. And I don't know how many of you guys know of the spiritual gifts that are given, but one of them was laughter. And I truly believe I was given the gift of laughter that night. Because before growing up, I was always a typically happy person. I was kind of shy. <laughs> would never ever guess I'd be doing something like this. And I was just kind of that person in the back, just like, oh yeah, that's funny. Like never really busting out laughing for anything. And now I laugh all the time. And you can ask any of my friends that are here tonight, but I'll be in one room laughing and they'll be like, yeah, Casey's right over there. Like now I have this huge laughter and this joy about me that was given to me that night. I found I find more joy in the simplest of things than I'd ever have before.
And I have a little funny story for you guys to show you guys. So, you know, I get home after this conference and I'm just all like bubbly and everywhere and oh my gosh, God is awesome and laughing all the time and everyone's like, okay, now something's really going on with her. And I'm walking through high school and I'm walking through the hallway and I pass a couple friends that are, they don't really believe in God and I walk past them and I'm just smiling, smiling ear to ear. And they're like, Casey, why are you smiling? Why are you happy? You know we're in school, right? Like, are you high? Are you drunk? Like, what's going on? And I was like, yeah, high on Jesus. And they gave me the craziest look I've ever seen. But one point I want to make there is before I was afraid to be that Jesus freak, but now I was owning it. I was embracing my faith. I wasn't afraid to love Jesus and be ashamed of it. I wasn't afraid. And so when I said, yeah, hi on Jesus, they're like, what? Now she has to be on drugs or something because that's not a thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and so then after thinking about this comment, I was like, oh gosh, what if something really is wrong with me? And I started praying to God about it, like, God, am I not supposed to be this happy all the time? And then he showed me scripture. And if you go to the Acts of the Apostles, when Pentecost happened, and the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, and they received the Holy Spirit, the people around them started saying questions like, they have to be drunk. Are they drinking a new wine? Like, what is going on with them? And... This made me realize that there wasn't anything wrong with me, that it really was the Holy Spirit working inside of me. If the apostles got blamed for being drunk after they received the Holy Spirit, then I thought it was okay if they blamed me for being drunk too. And so this whole Satan experience made me realize how real Satan was. And so before when Jesus turned his head towards me and said, follow me then, okay, God proved he was real then. But now Satan proved he was real. So I was like, okay, definitely know both of them are real. And I knew I wanted nothing to do with him and wanted to stay completely away from him because I did not want to go anywhere down that track again. And I started to be more aware of the times where I would sin of temptations especially, and being aware of that, I was able to say no, and say no, I'm not, devil, you're not taking me there, I'm changing my life around, I'm going back to Christ, and I'm not going back down that path again. And so the last time when I went home on this spiritual high after this conference, I fell right back down to normal life, and even deeper, right? Well, this time I was like, that's not happening, like I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit now, and I'm not letting myself drop. And so it's like, okay, well, if this is going to happen, I'm going to have to change my everyday routine because I know how easily it can be just to, just to let go of this whole Jesus thing. And so one of these things I promised myself was I was going to go on a date with Jesus every Tuesday night at our church where all the 80-year-olds were that my dad blamed me to hang out with. <laughs> and at first, it was really hard. I walked in there and I was like... Okay, it's all silence. I'm the only one my age in here, and I'm just sitting here. Okay, Jesus, now this is what I want. Speak. I'm listening. Nothing. Okay, God, where are you? And it, those two minutes in there, felt like forever. And I was like, okay, this was super hard. 
how am I going to keep doing this? I promised Jesus that date with him every Tuesday. I, I got asked, so I kept forcing myself to go, even though it was really hard at first. So the next time I went, lasted about five minutes. I was getting there. Then the next time it was like 10 minutes, and I kept going and I kept going. And I got to a half hour of just sitting there in silence and just letting God talk to me and just being with him. And then I finally got to the point of two hours just spinning there and just not even keeping track of time and just getting lost in conversation with God. And yeah, that's when the whole parents' comments started coming in, like, you're spending way too much time at church. Like, what is going on? That doesn't make sense. And so it was hard, but I didn't give up. And so I went from those going for two minutes, feeling like it was forever, to being in there for two hours, feeling like five minutes. And so I could already see the transformation God was doing inside my heart. And so I would start getting home really late at night, not from partying like I used to, but from spending time with Jesus. And some of you might wonder, how the heck do you just sit in a church for two hours, complete silence? Like, I can't even do that for five minutes. Well, it took a lot of practice and a lot of time, but eventually I would just speak my mind to Jesus, and then you eventually run out of things to say, maybe after like an hour of me talking, but <laughs> you eventually stop, and then you just start to listen. And I would start hearing him speak to my heart. And some of you might not, what do you mean Jesus speak to you? Well, when you hear his words, you know it's him. And so I would just get stuck in this trance of just this, just being in God's presence. And one thing I really liked was it was so peaceful. You couldn't really find any more peace than in adoration. And so God is always trying to communicate with us. He's always trying to talk to us. But yet, he really talks to us in silence. And yet, here we complain that we pray and God never talks to us. Well, when's the last time you spent time with Jesus and gave him your attention? Right? So I didn't realize how God has been talking to me throughout my entire life. I just wasn't listening. And so my eyes started opening up a little bit more. And so silence is really hard in our day's age. You know, we have all of this noise around us. We have our phones buzzing constantly, just music all the time. Just our life is so full of this noise. Well, that's Satan's doing, because he knows that God talks to us in silence, and Satan is trying to cram our lives with as much noise as possible so we don't give any time to Christ. And I've always heard that silence is the biggest weapon towards Satan, because that's when you actually give your time to God. And as Matthew Kelly says, he says, we can learn more in an hour of silence than we can in a year from books. Because God starts to reveal who you truly are and who he made you and created you to be, spending time in silence with him. Another thing I did other than going on a date with Jesus every Tuesday was I started praying the rosary. And at first I thought this was really boring and took way too much of my time. But I started praying it every Sunday, and then I started to fall in love with it because I started to reflect on all the mysteries, and Christ started to speak through me through that. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And I started praying with it for certain prayers, and then they would happen. And it's like, wow, this has some power. Like, I need to keep doing this. And so I got to the point where I could pray it every day. Another thing I did was I knew that in order to keep a relationship with God, I had to pray to him. And before I would go to bed, and I would just lay in bed and start praying for him. But the problem with that was that 
I would start falling asleep in the middle of my prayer, and I'd wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I never finished that prayer. Or I would lay in bed and go on my scroll on social media or text a bunch of people, and I would be too tired to pray and be like, oh, I'll just pray in the morning or something. And so I was like, okay, if I'm actually going to pray, I need to set my phone away, and I need to get on my knees because it's very difficult to fall asleep while you're on your knees. And so I made sure I got on my knees every single night to make sure I actually gave time to God every day. And so I used to just kind of pray to God like in sections of my day, like, okay, at night and then in the morning and then before my meals and then church on Sunday. But now I stopped putting him in this little box of my day and I opened it up to my entire day so I could talk to him throughout my entire day. So, for example, on campus, I'd be walking in class, and if it's, like, a great day, instead of saying, wow, like, it's really nice, I'd be like, God, thank you for this beautiful day out here. And just kind of have, I turned my thoughts and my thinking and just to a constant communication with God. For example, I play soccer here. Fitness sucks. And to get me through that, I'm like, all right, God, give me the strength to get through this. Give me the strength. I offer all of this, this testing up to you for this prayer. And... Those prayers get answered just like that because God knows how hard I'm working on those fitness tests. And that's just another way or work, any work I do here. Some of it gets boring or it just gets drawn out and long. And so I just start praying Hail Marys or Lord, help me to make someone smile today and start just turning my entire day into a prayer to God. And so by changing my daily routine to Jesus, my relationship with him slowly changed. Or I guess you could say started. I had finally come to the point where before, when I just grew up in the church, I knew a lot about Jesus, but I didn't really know Jesus himself. But now, I not only knew a lot about him, but I actually knew him as a real person. And so with this, my relationship deepened with him tremendously. And I started to see God work in my life. Answered prayers started coming up everywhere. And not just answered prayers, but I would start hearing God talk to me at least like once a week. Now I'm going to share a little example of what I mean by God talk to me. So sometimes God talks to me just in my heart. Some say, okay, that's not really believable because that could just be your mind talking. But sometimes God talks me through other people or just linking things together and being like, yes, Casey, yes, this is what I want you to do. So one time I was a senior in high school and I was just praying because and I, I was really stressed out and worried because it was already February and I didn't know where I was going to college, super stressed out. And my uncle who had brain cancer was having surgery on his brain that day. And so I was really, really scared for my uncle and where am I going to college? And so I was like, God, like, if you could just tell me not to worry or that you have this all figured out or just something, just to give me some type of sign to know that you have this all in your hands and that you're going to take care of it, that'd be great. (laughs) And so here I am at school, same day I prayed this, and I'm sitting down in my sixth hour class, and I was texting in class. I know you're not supposed to do that, but I was. And I got a text from my friend 
a random text that said Akuna Matata. And I was like, that was random, why'd you say that? And he's like, oh, I don't know, it just came to me. I was like, okay, didn't think anything of it. Then I go to my seventh hour class, and I sit down next to one of my best friends, and she's singing, Akuna Matata means no worries, and she's singing the song. And I was like, whoa, that's so weird. My friend just sent me this text. And she was like, no way, and I showed her, and she's like, wow, that's so cool. Still, nothing, didn't think anything of it. Then I get to my eighth hour class. And I sit down, kind of look around the room, and I kid you not, a friend sitting right in front of me has this big orange shirt that says, no worries, and has a big Lion King picture. I'm like, what the heck? This Akuna Matata stuff is happening everywhere. What is going on? And as soon as that happened, I just started like laughing and thinking, God, that has to be you. Like, and I turned to my friend, like, okay, this, this, and this just happened. Like, that's God, right? She's like, oh, yeah, that's definitely God. Like, that's crazy. And so that was just God's way of telling me, Casey, Akuna Matata means no worries for the rest of your days. Like, just trust me. I got it all figured out. And so that left me stress-free and anxiety-free that whole day and, well, quite a while longer. And then a month or whatever went by, and... I was talking to that friend that was wearing that shirt, and he doesn't believe in God, by the way, and I was telling him the story. And he looked at me, like, in shock, and I was like, what, what? <laughs> and he was like, that's so weird, because I've only worn that shirt twice, and I remember whenever I was, I remember that day looking at my closet and thinking, I just have to wear this shirt for some reason today. And I was like, wow, God is just amazing. And he's, he's like in shock, like starting to think and question like, wow, is God real? Like, what is this? And so that was just almost a whole kind of answered prayer within itself. So then time goes on and I start getting worried about my college decision again. Still don't know where I'm going. And then I'm like, God, you told me you have it all taken care of. Don't know where I'm going, so I'm running out of time. I need you to start moving. My parents are all yelling at me, like, you need to figure out where you want to go, all of this stuff. Well, I'm kind of a picky person, and money was an issue, and I wanted to play soccer, and it just wasn't really working out. And so when I was praying about it, God just told me, Casey, I got it taken care of. Just trust me. And I, my parents, and they'd ask me, they're like, Casey, like, wh what's your deal? And I'd tell them that. They didn't really like that answer. They wanted, an they wanted, they wanted to know. I'm like, God will get it. God will take care of it, guys. It'll be fine. Yeah, they didn't buy it. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's crazy. That's, that's what they're thinking. And so a week went by after that whole episode and then I get a random e email from the co soccer coach here, Raven, and she says, hey, why don't you come out and visit? And I was like, no, too much money, not going to work. And she kept emailing me, no, you should really, like, let me see what I can do scholarship-wise. And she sent an email like, that might just do it. Okay, mom and dad, let's, let's go up to Iowa. And I loved it and it was a Catholic university, had what I wanted to study, and I was like, okay, it all worked out. God took care of it completely. And then I went to my parents and I was like, mom and dad, I told you, God would take care of it. And they're like, yeah, 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 this, that's just lucky. And I'm like, you guys believe in God, right? Like, you know how big he is, right? And it all worked out. And so that is just one example of how God talks to us is through either shirts or songs or just people coming into our lives.
even if it's just akuna matata. So that's kind of like my little no worries, like I'm stressed, akuna matata, Casey, God's got it, you know? So these kind of things started happening all of the time. And I'd just be in shock, like, wow, wow, God's everywhere. And, I'm, and people are like, what is going on with her? Like, she thinks she's seeing all these things and happening all these things, and God's talking to her. Like, what does she mean? And so these kind of things happened all the time. And I wrote all of this down because anytime I'd start to doubt God's existence, I'd go back and I'd be like, yeah, God was here and God was here. And so this past March, This past March, God, through a weird way of talking to me, told me, hey, you need to start spreading what I'm doing with your life to where people can actually watch it. And so he told me to start making these YouTube videos. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And well, he kind of just threw it at me. And so I started a YouTube channel. And these times where I hear God talk to me or answered prayers happen, I call him my God nod because like, I picture God up in heaven like nodding down at me like, yeah, you know, like that's me. And so I call him my God nods. And so I started recording myself of these weird little ways that God has been working in my life and starting posting it on YouTube. So if you guys want to continue following me on my path or see what I mean by Jesus talking to me or answering my prayers, all you have to do is go on YouTube, look up God nod and they'll all pop up and I continue posting them. And it's kind of funny because people are like, well, what if you run out of like answered prayers? I'm like, well, that's the thing. That's where you rely on God to keep answering your prayers, to keep making videos. Like there's faith being shown through it, you know? So it just kind of all makes sense. And so, yeah, my story, it's not so normal. Not everyone has these dramatic events happen into their life. But the thing is, God took me, a simple, ordinary girl who didn't really know where she was going in life, and all I had to do was put his will over my wants and just give everything I had to him. And that's when he started pouring these blessings and all of these like tiny miracles in front of me. And so not everyone will have this dramatic encounter with Christ like I did, but you don't need to have one in order to have a relationship with Christ. And I didn't change immediately afterwards, after it happened. Whenever Jesus turned towards me and said, follow me then, I didn't just change. It was a constant process, and I even fell back into sin, but it took God calling me again and again for me to finally say, okay, God, I give up. You're just going to keep putting these huge things in my life until I finally give myself to you. So I might as well just do it now. And so I thought... Like I said before, all I had to do was say yes once. No, I have to say yes every single day. And so every day I pray, God, give me what I need to do your will. Help me put your will over my once. How can I bring you glory today? Lead me to where I can bring you glory. Make me the saint you created me to be, no matter how many insults I have to have for being the Jesus freak or whatever I have to go through to bring you glory. Make me the saint you created me to be. And so some of you might wonder, how does she keep her faith in college when the majority of college students lose their faith? Well, I'm not going to lie, it's super hard, <laughs> especially with 
being surrounded by temptation and parties and wanting to hang out with friends and not do your homework and just do whatever you want and these are your experiment years and to find yourself and all of what this world tells us. And so it is extremely hard to keep your faith in college. But some of the ways I try to stay with it is I try to avoid putting myself in situations where I know I will fail, where I know where I will sin. And I make sure I make time for God. One of the things that I've really fallen in love with was the Mass. I used to think it was really boring, that maybe the songs were old or whatever. But now, after knowing Christ, I started to fall in love with Mass. And I was like, all I want to do is go to Mass. And all my other teenage friends are like, you are crazy. How do you think that's fun? Like, that does not make sense. But once I realized that the host was actually Jesus, and I'd experienced his presence within me, and all of what I've encountered, I would do anything just to go to Mass every single day. And so here on campus, thank God, they have Mass here every day, whether it be here or down at the convent. And so I schedule my classes around the Mass times, so I'm able to receive Jesus every day. And then I also try to pray the rosary every day and sit in silence, whether that be in adoration or coming in here. Usually there's not people in here, and I get to either come down on this nice, comfy kneeler and pray to God, or sometimes I like to have fun, and when no one's looking, I like to dance around and sing and pray, and then I'll hear something, I'll be like, go over there, and like, no one saw me. But I, you know, like, I just be real with God. Like, if I'm mad at God, I come in here and I start yelling at Him. You just be real. If I'm happy, I start praising and dancing around. You know, God wants, He already knows your heart, so you might as well just tell Him how you feel. But that's how my relationship with him started building. Oh, and confession. Confession is a huge thing for me, just because it makes me reflect on the sins that I've made and helps me to fix them. And so I got Father Tony to get a Snapchat like the first couple weeks of freshman year. And so now all I have to do is Snapchat Father Tony and be like, yo, I need confession. And he'll just meet up with me randomly when we're free and we'll have confession and it's great. And so all of this might sound like a lot, like that is way too much for me to do, but it took me a long time to get to this point. And so, and there's times where I mess up. There's times where I skip the rosary for weeks, or there's times where I don't want to go to Mass because I just don't have time, or I feel stressed, or there's times where I mess up a lot with my faith life. But I know God calls me again and again to be with him. And so I keep going. And so even though it's a lot, it shows you that if I can make this much time in my day, then I know you can too. And so I ask that you guys open your heart tonight. And if you're open to his will, he will blow your mind. And he will put so many blessings inside of your life and start answering all of your prayers and you'll start seeing all of these things. You might not get the same Akuna Matata message, but if you ask for it, he might give it to you. And so I ask you guys to, what are you willing to do to take another step closer to Christ after tonight? And just pick one, because if you just try to do everything at once, I tried it before, you fail at all of them and you just go right back to the beginning. So just try to pick one after tonight to maybe either start a relationship with Christ or to keep going. You can either just start with thanking God as soon as you wake up, Lord, instead of grabbing your phone right away, just thank you, God, for this day, and just start off small. Or 
You can try getting on your knees daily if you know you fall asleep in bed a lot like me. Going on your knees daily. Or maybe spending time in scripture, in the Bible, just getting to know Jesus. Or maybe adoration, silence. Maybe just putting two minutes of just pure silence in your day and just seeing what God does with it and see if it grows. Or maybe you could try talking to God throughout your day. Just instead of thinking in your head, just start having a conversation with God. I'm not going to lie, like, I'd be in class, and I'd be like, okay, like, I'm taking notes, and like, okay, God, should I use this pen or this pen? Like, you know, just little things like that. You can incorporate God into the littlest things in your life. And so all of this takes a lot of hard work and determination, but it's very possible because if you do, you will get this unimaginable joy just flow through you. And you will receive all of the blessings you ask for. I mean, who wouldn't want to just have all of their answered prayers? Like, that's, that's amazing, you know? And so I want to end tonight with a little reflection on your relationship with Jesus. What's holding you back? Is it time? Do you not have enough time for God? Are you just lazy? Or are you scared of something? Maybe scared of letting go of all of the control in your life? And if so, then try to offer it up to God and trust in him. Are you going through the motions? Or are you really meaning everything you pray? Do you just know things about Jesus and what he did? Or do you actually know him personally as your best friend? And if you don't, are you willing to give him a chance? And if so, how far are you willing to go? Maybe not all the way right away, but maybe to the point of giving your entire life over. For Psalm 37.4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So maybe if you just take one step closer to God after tonight, you'll eventually be that person who people start questioning how you spend so much time alone with Jesus. Thank you guys for coming out tonight and listening to how God has transformed my life. God bless.